Good morning. Hopefully everyone had a good uh, Christmas holiday. We're looking forward to New Year's in a couple of days. And we've been studying a, a series we've called Flirting with Disaster. And for those that are visiting with us, I've got bad news. You're exactly one week off because if you'd have come next week, you'd hear a good preacher. Brother, Brother Jerry McCork will be preaching for us next week. He's been doing that for about 10 or over 10 or 15 years. I guess every, every first uh, Sunday of the year he's been coming and talking to us, and we're looking forward to that. So you're one week off. But today you get to hear me close out a series that we've called Flirting with Disaster. And if you've been here, those are the subjects that, uh, that have been covered. Brother Matt started out with just this concept of flirting with sin. Michael tells an analogy of Satan on the end of a chain like a dog, and he can only go so far, and we get kind of right up to the, to the edge, and we flirt with sin, and that's kind of what Matt talked to us about, is, is man, we get close to sin, and sometimes that can be dangerous, because when you flirt with something, sometimes you get caught, and that was the gist of that, and then Bruce talked to us about envy and greed, Kyle talked to us about laziness, and John talked about lust and desire. Sean talked about anger. We found out a lot about his wife. Um, that's not gossip. I mean, we were all here. Um, and then uh, Michael talked about pride, and we all found out that we probably all have a little bit of a pride problem, some of us more than others. And then Jeremy talked about dishonesty last week, and this week we're going to talk about Slander and gossip. Now, when I first put this together, you know, um, this is typically something, typically something that we blame on the women. We say the women are gossipers, right? That's been the, the stereotype in America. But I can tell you as I put this sermon together and I began to think about it and I began to, to you know, put it together and think about it while I was at work and think about over the time, I can tell you that men are just as good at this as women are. In fact, we're better sometimes because sometimes we're in leadership and we're trusted with secrets and we're trusted with information and we're not so trustworthy sometimes. And so sometimes we're, we're blabbing all. So we're going to talk about slander and gossip. And like many of the, the, the things that we've talked about in this series, it's one of those things that's very easy for us to rationalize. It's very easy for us to to justify why we might say something bad about someone in a lot of different situations, trying to convince ourselves that it's really not sin. Again, flirting with disaster is the type of is the theme of our sermons, and this one is no different. We can get real close, sometimes stepping over the line and gossiping and actually and sin. And I can tell you that this is a sin that ranks way up there. We don't normally rank sins, or maybe we do in our minds sometimes. We think about murder, and we think about, you know, and we say, man, those are bad sins. Those are, those are sins. Those are, those are A-plus sins. Well, this one's listed with, some pretty, with a pretty nasty list of sins as well, and we'll go through and we'll talk about that. You already know the, um, the name of the, 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 the study today, so this little riddle probably won't be that hard for you to solve. But I found this on the internet. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. 
to track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreck churches and separate Christians. I spawn suspicion and generate grief, make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses. Who am I? And of course, I am gossip. And so when you think about that, characterization of gossip that was that's a pretty rough characterization i tear up churches i ruin friendships i ruin marriages i whatever i topple governments and i can tell you that gossip is just that powerful and that's one of the reasons that it makes a list with some pretty bad sins that we'll go over so just some definitions real quick um, because in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament and Old Testament, a lot of times it doesn't use the word gossip. In fact, it doesn't use the word gossip, but it uses words that mean gossip. One of them is whisperer in the New Testament, and that's the original Greek that it was written in, and that's the pronunciation of it. I'm not going to try. Um, a, but it means a secret culminator. Now, that didn't help me a lot because I didn't know what a culminator was. But a culminator makes false or defamatory statements about something. There's also a word in the New Testament that's uh, called backbiter. And again, the Greek and the Greek pronunciation means talkative against, that is a slanderer. In the Old Testament, there's three words. Whisperer again. There's the Hebrew word means to murmur, to speak against in a low tone, to whisper, backbite, slander, talebearer. It uses the word slander and it actually uses the word talebearer. Again, all of those are very similar in their nature, and they are the subject of our study this morning. So you may see a verse that says whisper. You may see a verse that says backbiter. You may see a verse that says slander. You may see a verse that says tailbearer. Know that we're talking about the same general sin, and that is to speak badly about someone, to carry something, to propagate some negative uh, statement about someone, to make a false or defamatory statement. So having done that, let's think about what's the trouble with gossip? We read that list or we saw that, uh, that uh, puzzle or that riddle from the internet, but what's the trouble with, uh, with uh, gossip? Well, number one, it's hard to control and it's incredibly destructive. We got that from the, from the riddle, right? It says, I topple governments, I destroy marriages, I break up churches, I do. It's incredibly destructive, it's hard to control. James 3, just talking about the instrument of gossip, which is our tongue, says the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's pretty rough. That's a pretty tough description of this thing that we've got in our mouth that we can do good with or we can do bad with. It's also the characteristic of unbelievers. So we'll talk about this a little bit more, but in Romans chapter 1, in verse 29 and 30 through 30 there, it talks about people that had become so sinful that God gave them up to a reprobate mind, it calls it in the old King James Version. Guess what those unbelieving sinners were doing? Slandering and gossiping. We'll see that in a minute. It's incredibly destructive, and it's hard, um, and it's, it's also the characteristic of unbelievers. It, it tells us that unbelievers are the ones that do those kinds of things. And that's what I just said. Um, the third thing is that gossip, gossip typically, not always, spreads falsehood. 
most of the time we don't do uh, the due diligence of trying to find out whether something's factual or not. We just like to repeat it because it's good, dirty gossip. We don't go, hey, I wonder if that's true before I repeat it. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute too. Therefore, having put away all, uh, put away falsehood, let every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So Ephesians 4 says we need to make sure that we speak the truth, and gossip typically is spreading falsehood. And we've, uh, we already understand from the riddle that uh, gossip separates friends, and I put and churches because I've seen people leave churches, and I've seen gut churches actually divide and split over uh, gossip and things that people thought. Proverbs puts it this way very clearly. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. Man, that right there ought to be enough reason for any one of us not to want to gossip. Gossip separates close friends. It just does. If you start saying bad things about people and they find out about it, they're no longer going to be your friend. I want to talk about some misconceptions about gossip. So we talked about the trouble. We're going to talk about the misconceptions. Then we're going to talk about how do we fix it if we're the gossiper. Then we're going to talk about how do we fix it if someone else is trying to gossip to us. In between there, we'll have a little bit of a warning verse. We'll go back to Romans and we'll read the verse that we've already talked about. So, misconception. It isn't gossip if it's true. Is that true or false? Yeah, it's false. I saw some of you mouthing false. It doesn't matter whether it's true. If you're propagating some negative thing about somebody, that's gossip. That's slander. Now, I don't know legally, Kyle, the definition. <laughs> I've always heard if it's true, you can't get sued for slander. But I've also heard people getting sued for slander when, when in fact, what they were saying was true. So I don't know legally, but I know in God's mind, it's a sin. Gossip and slander, if, even, if, even if what you're spreading is true. I didn't mean to mar the person's reputation so it wasn't gossip. It was an accident. Am I okay? If you accidentally shoot somebody, are you okay? If you accidentally run over somebody with a car? Now, you might get a lesser sentence, but you're still going to prison. It's not okay if it was an accident. And that's one of the reasons that James talks so much about the tongue in, in the book of James. It's still sinful. This is, but this is how we start to rationalize and justify gossiping about somebody. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt their, I didn't mean it. I didn't, it's an accident. I just accidentally said it. A lot of these become rationalizations. I don't want to gossip, but, but I want you to know. Very similar to the next one, which says, I, I need you to know. I think all of these are obviously not okay. Um, and, and the question is, does the hearer really need to know all of the baggage and the dirt about some other member? Or, or We're talking about the church here. But it, it work. It, it doesn't matter. The, the, this concept of spreading bad negative stuff um, it's just not right. It's not what Christians need to do. Go talk to the brother that sinned against you. Don't tell other people. In fact, we'll talk about that. That's very clear to us in Scripture in Matthew chapter 18. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about how to fix some of this stuff. I don't mean to gossip. I just thought you would be able to help. Now, this one I've actually done. I've talked to somebody else about somebody because, you know, in my mind, it's like, hey, you'll be able to help. But really... When I started thinking back and I looked and I dug deep, I was just gossiping. I didn't care necessarily whether that person helped or not. 
but I, I, I rolled it, I, I bundled it up under this nice little bow to help my, me feel better about, better about myself. That's the way I rationalize it. That's the way I justified it. Hey, I'll go tell Fran, the CEO, because, you know, he's president. He needs to know. But really, it was just me wanting to spread a little trash and make sure that. So this, one's, this one uh, catches a lot of us. Uh, again, the biblical wisdom you need to share is Matthew 18. The people need to, and this is Matthew 18 for people that might not know what I've been talking about. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So you go handle it one-on-one, -on -one, just the two of you. Then if that doesn't work, then you take a couple of other people and as witnesses. And if that doesn't work, you bring it before the church. But there are steps to handling sinful behavior between you and a brother. And it's not go talk to everybody else about it. It's you handle it between yourselves. Um, I would say this if they were standing here, so this is not gossip. So I'm not talking behind their back. Man, I'd tell them if they were here together, well, let's get them on the phone. Let's go, let's go over to their house. But even that's not okay because it's still gossip. Whether you're live and in color or whether you're over the phone in front of them. Whether you're, actually, that speaks more to your character. That's saying, I don't care. I, I care so little about Kent that I want to tell you bad stuff about him and I don't care if he's standing here. That's not, it's still gossip. It's still slander. And it's speaking about my character and my relationship with Kent more than it is about the gossip and the slander, perhaps. And that's a terrible, terrible heart situation to be in. So this is also sin and it's also gossip. <clears throat> so here's the warning uh, that uh, I was talking about earlier. Romans chapter 1 verses 28 through 32 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... Whew, that's chilling right there. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, do not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So this list of sins, and this list of terrible bad behavior, the Bible says, the Roman writer says, People that do these things are worthy of death. Whisperers and backbiters, gossipers and slanderers are worthy of death. Not only are they worthy of death, which is what we just looked at, but it also talks about other people that have pleasure in them that do them. So this not only talks about the people that are doing those sins, a la gossipers and slanderers, but it talks about people that are just standing there can't wait to hear something. Can't wait to hear the gossip or the slander. I've got, I take pleasure in just standing there and listening to all of the negative things about my brothers and sisters or about the people I work with or about the people at school for some of you younger fellows that are in school. So that's the warning. That's the warning in scripture that says, man, you want to engage in this kind of stuff worthy of death. 
And I got to thinking about gossip and I got to, think, I got to thinking about Jesus. And I was going to take this lesson in a whole other way where we just kind of followed the life of Jesus all the way to the cross and, and looked at gossip and slander as it was going on. Um, but I had so much information to try to pour into this thing that I kind of consolidated that to one slide here. Jesus in his ministry in John chapter 11, he's been traveling around and he gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. And, um, and then he's, as he's getting closer, he said, hey, we need to go see Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. And he's getting closer. He gets word and he tells his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. And they say, well, that's good that he's asleep. And Lazarus is dead. That's what he meant. He'd gone to sleep permanently. He's dead. So he travels back and he gets there and the sisters are all upset because they said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, you'd have been able to save him. And so Jesus goes in and, and uh, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And there was a couple of reactions to that whole thing. In verse number 45, some believed. In verse number 45 there in chapter 11, it says, some believed. Guess what others did? Some went and told the Pharisees. They went and gossiped about what had happened. Guess what the Pharisees did? Verse 53. Plotted to put Jesus to death. It all started with gossip and slander. In fact, if you move through the story of Jesus, I mean, the riot that has developed on the day, the mob that is crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's all come through slander and gossip and misinformation. And it has mobbed this crowd up to the point that they're hollering that. You know, Jesus asked a question. He said, who do, men, who does, who do the men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and his disciples said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. The scribes said he was Beelzebub. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus said that they've, they've told me, I'm a, they've called me a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners in Matthew 11. So that through this whole, through Jesus' whole ministry, there's all of this scuttlebutt and gossip and slandering that's going on behind the scenes to the point that all the good that he did got outweighed by all the gossip and the slander and the innuendo that was going on behind the scenes. Now, gossip and slander didn't put Jesus on the cross. Let me be clear, our sins put Jesus on the cross. But gossip and slander was the tools and the mechanism behind the scenes. So any reason in Romans chapter 1, he wouldn't list those in amongst all those other sins? And they were the mechanisms that stirred the Jewish people up to put, his, to put Jesus on the cross, to put his son on the cross. So how do I deal with gossip? <clears throat> First of all, we need to recognize gossip for what gossip is. It's not some sin around the periphery that we can justify or rationalize. We need to recognize, as Romans chapter 1 very, made very clear to us, that gossip is a sin and that gossip is a sin that's worthy of death and that we don't need to be hanging around it or taking part in it. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters, First Peter says. A busybody in other men's matters. That means I'm gossiping, I'm getting involved in stuff, other people's stuff. An ungodly man diggeth up evil in his lips. There is a burning fire, Proverbs says. 
The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down in the innermost parts of our belly. That phrase, go down in the innermost parts of our belly, is talking about really good food and how when you eat it, it just tastes so good as it goes down in the innermost parts of your belly. That's the way gossip is. When you're hearing it, it's like, oh man, this is good stuff. This is good. But it creates wounds. It separates people. It separates churches. We need to realize that we can't gossip. We cannot conquer gossip with our own strength. <clears throat> James says it this way: you "Have control over every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, and fish, and they have controlled all these things. But no one can control the tongue. It is wild and evil, full of deadly poison." Now, James wasn't saying it's a worthless venture here. James is talking about in that whole, in most of his sermon there, most of his book there, about how we need to be conscious of what our tongue is doing and saying all of the time. And we can control it with our mind if we're conscious about it, if we're subconsciously just letting it do what it wants to do. Out of control, bad things happen. We've got to have God's help. We've got to study and we've got to pray. Number three, yield your tongue to God as an instrument of righteousness. I better move along. But don't let sin control your life here on earth. You must not be ruled by the things your sinful self makes you want to do. Don't offer the parts of your body to serve sin. Don't use your bodies to do evil. But offer yourselves to God as people who have died and now live. Offer the parts of your body to God to be used for doing good. Romans chapter 6 says, We need to make a commitment to build others up. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4 very clear about not letting a corrupt talk come out of our mouth or filthy or, or any kind of bad language or gossip or backbiting or any of It was all covered there under corrupt talking. But only such is good for building up and fits the occasion and it may give grace to those who's here. Fill your life with meaningful work. So there's an interesting thing going on here. Paul's writing to Timothy, the young evangelist, and he's cluing him in on how to handle situations in the church where uh, women have been made widows. And he kind of breaks it into two different parts. And he says the older women that, that, that have, have lived a long and, and Christian life and have, have feared the Lord and have done those things, take care of those women in their old age and all of that. But on the younger women, he says, not so much. In fact, this is what he says. Besides this, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossipers and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the, give the adversary no occasion for slander. What he's saying here is if a young woman has become a widow, she needs to be focused on other things. She needs to be focused on building a home, Getting, getting back, finding her a husband, getting married, building a home. In other words, filling her life with meaningful work, not going house to house and talking and gossiping and everything else with all of her friends. She needs to get focused on doing meaning, meaningful work. And that's another thing that uh, we can do. So that's not just to women there. That's to all of us men as well. If we've got idle time and we use that idle time and we fill it with gossip, Put something in there that's worthwhile, that's meaningful. Put a Bible study in there. Put a visit to the widows in there. Put a whatever. Fill it up with something that's meaningful. Christian work, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. He was addressing the women there particularly, but it's ap applicable to all of us. Examine your motivators for sharing the information. This is the, this is the critical, but probably the most hard thing to do. 
is to consciously decide what it is that you're about to say, not just say it. Because in the in the in the conversation gets going, and we just man, we start. We're like, oh man, I, I got I got a juicy one here. I'm about ready to throw it into the dialogue pool. <clears throat> Do I need to share this information about this person? And need should be capitalized, underlined in yellow, bold, whatever. Need, not want. Do I want to share it? Oh yeah, because <laughs> that's James. That's the tongue. That's the that's the stuff it's talking about in Romans one. I want to share it, but do I need to? Is it to make me look good or the other person look bad? Am I trying to get people on my side of an issue? This happens a lot. We start rallying support for an idea or a concept, especially in a business. This happens. I see see this happen at work when there's. Two, two, two ideas kind of floating around and two people are trying to figure out, okay, here's, here's a couple different ways to solve the problem, so let me go rally support. Am I trying to make myself look, look good for being in the know? And, I, and this one is applicable. I, I call this the leadership pitfall. And so if you're in leadership here in the church, listen. If you're in leadership in your home, listen. If you're in leadership at work, listen. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. You will know things that other people don't need to know. I'm trusted with secrets at the level in my business all the time that other people in my organization don't need to know. Leaders, wives of leaders, you'll, you'll know stuff. You'll know stuff that doesn't need to move around in the church. As leaders in your business, you'll know stuff that doesn't need to move around in the church or at work. As leaders in your home, you'll know stuff that doesn't need to move around in the home. It just needs to stay silent. I had a friend that I worked with that um, as he moved into leadership, he was a couple of, two or three years behind me at work, <coughs> moving into what, what I would call executive leadership or senior management, however you want to put it. And uh, he would come to meetings and we would talk about stuff like, hey, what are we going to do with health care? What are we going to do with 401k match? What are we going to do? All this high level stuff that, and, and we're debating it back and forth, all these different decisions we've got to make at the executive level. And a week after the meeting, people would start coming up to me going, hey, I heard y'all aren't going to match the 401k. Oh, really? Where'd you hear that? <laughs> Well, as this young leader, he'd come out of there all puffed up because it was, you know, he was his first time to be in executive management. He had, he was in the know, and to show how powerful he was, he'd let you know what it was he knew. So I had to sit him down and said, "Hey, man, power's in the knowledge. Once you've once you've let the information out, they know as much as you do. You're no longer in power. There's things that you that just don't need to be told yet." There's a message. There's, it's got to be. It's got to be put out in such a way that it makes sense. The reason we weren't matching 401k is because we didn't want to lay off 35 people. Now that's a different message than, hey boy, we're just not going to match the 401k. No, but you're going to get to keep your job. Which one you want? You want us to match 401k and you're unemployed? So sometimes there's there's a method to the madness. And leadership and people know things that don't need to be thrown out there. Refuse to listen to those that want to spread gossip. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. That's the ESV version. 
you, I, I read that in about six different versions. I just like this one the best. Simple babbler. Don't associate with them. Very much like Romans chapter one, right? Don't don't have don't love to be, don't associate with those that are doing it either. Very simple warning. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So gossip is the fuel, just like wood is to a fire. We had a big fire at the farm this this week. We 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 had so much trash we had to burn it all. So we had we had this big fire. And um, it, it would die down, and, and Kat came out, and she said, Hey, I've got, I've got one more bag of trash. What do you want me to do with that? And Zach said, Just go throw it on the fire. And she threw it on the fire, and we had another big fire again. It, it had died way down. But she put more fuel on the fire, and it sprang to life again. Gossip is the same way. You stop it, the quarreling ceases. You keep doing it, and you build up the quarreling. You build up, build up the bad will. Uh, slander and gossip is the fuel to the fire of quarreling and not getting along. So dealing with gossip and others real quick. What is your, so so somebody comes to you and they're, they're, they go, hey, I need to tell you something. Okay, why do you need, why do you need to tell me this? You need to be, me to be involved in the solution? Are we in the second step of Matthew chapter 18? You've already gone and handled it one-on-one -on -one and that didn't work and so now you're coming to me and we need to go two or three of us as witnesses to handle it? Is that, is that why you're telling me? Okay, that might be okay. Because if it's none of my business, somebody's approaching me and it's none of my business, then I need to tell them to go handle it like Matthew 18 said. Go handle this one-on-one -on -one with the person. If that doesn't work and you still need help, then come back, I'm available. Where did you get your information? Now, some of these others are just kind of uh, maybe ways to turn the table on the, the, the situation. Where did you get your information? My brothers and sisters, some members of Chloe's family told me that there are arguments among you. Paul writing to the 1 Corinthians, Chloe's family had told him of some situations going on there in 1 Corinthians. And he says, hey, Chloe's family told me, and, and I want to address this with you one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I don't know the particulars of the, did, did Chloe's family go and try to address it first? I don't know. But here, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a concept here, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. Paul is very clearly telling them where he got the information. There's no, there's no, he's not saying, hey, I heard you guys are quarreling over there. He's saying, no, I've got a, I've got a source. I'm telling you the source, and here's the problem. Have you gone to those people directly involved? Matthew 18 talked about that. Have you personally checked out all the facts? The first person to speak always seems right until someone comes and asks the right questions, according to Proverbs 18. A group, a peer group with uh, other uh, leaders of other organizations, and my chair, the guy that facilitates the meetings that we have once a month, just wrote a book that says, The Power of a Great Question. And he's got a thousand questions in there that you can ask in various different situations to try to get at the root of the problem. The first person always seems right until someone comes along and asks the right questions. So if you personally checked out the facts, can I quote you if I check this out? Remember Paul's approach? So these are just some ways that you can kind of uh, put, a, put a hand up to someone that's coming to you to talk about gossip.
I want to close with this statement or this, uh, this deal in, in uh, Psalms chapter 15. In fact, I think this is the entire uh, chapter of Psalms. I think it's only five verses. A song of David. Lord, who can live in your holy tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? Only those, whose lives, only those who live pure lives do what is right and speak the truth from their hearts. Some people don't say bad things about others. They don't do things to hurt their neighbors. They don't tell shameful things about those close to them. They hate those who fail to please God and honor those who respect the Lord. If they make a promise to their neighbor, they do what they promised. If they loan money to someone, they don't charge them interest. And they refuse to testify against an innocent person, even if someone offers them money to do it. Whoever lives like this will always stand strong. So, as we close out this whole series and we close out the sermon on slander and, and gossip this morning, call you to live honorable lives. Call you to live a life that's worthy to be uh, on the mountain with God, to live in his tent, as uh, they put it there, as David put it there in Psalms. Gossip is, is it's a sneaky thing. And never be afraid to catch yourself in midstream and go, nope, man, I'm, I apologize. I, I don't have any right to be talking about this. And just call it quits and, get, and move away from it. Never be afraid to throw up your hand and say, I might not be the right person to talk to about this. Have you talked to the person first? And, and, and never be afraid to just walk away from it. If it's going on and you can't stop it, then remove yourself from it. There, there will probably be applications on this this afternoon. I don't know. There's, I, I threw up a lot of good stuff there that we could build off of and think about and talk about this afternoon and maybe make personal applications in our lives on situations where we've been involved with gossip. But this morning, the church stands ready to help you if you need help, if you'd like the prayers of the church, if you've been properly taught, you'd like to obey the Lord in baptism this morning, we can fill up the baptistry. It'll take us a little time, but we can get water in there. We can have a baptism today. That'd be awesome. Um, we uh, we uh, would uh, be glad to serve you if you uh, let your wishes be known while we stand and sing.